0: Loading Artist Audio Insight Otcast Verb Interview with artists working today Otcast Noun Insights into the work and process Hello and welcome to Otcast I'm your host, Philip J. Mellon Loading Artist audio insight. Well, let me just welcome you to podcast, Dennis.
1: Well, thank you, Phil. Glad to be here. Glad to be here.
0: Great. Now, let me ask you my first question. Uh, when creating a work, do you use any sketches or preliminary work in the process?
1: Um, I have. You know, a lot of my uh, the work that I've done with words, um, I prepare a lot of notes, and uh, collect a lot of notes over a A period of time, and then before I actually start writing uh, or drawing or painting with that, uh, those particular notes, referring back to this sometime series of uh, drawings that I've done, which has about a thousand thousand pieces in it. Different different categories for each. Um, The new work that I've been working on, I usually, uh, again, notations more than anything, you know, considering uh, they're multi paneled. Looking at proportions, that kind of thing, of the panels, that sort of thing, is really all I get into, and then I'll just start the work um, once I've decided upon kind of relative sizes, configuration, that sort of thing. Um, But so most of it, uh, again, depending on whether I'm working with words or if I'm working more abstractly, more abstractly I'll jump right into it.
0: Yeah, now for the abstract work, when you say notations, you mean... Is it like measurements involved, or is it like...
1: Um, again, there's some measuring involved. Uh, look, again, looking at proportions of, uh, as the work that um, we'll be talking about mainly here, it's multi-paneled. Some of them have five panels of canvas, four panels of canvas that are all joined together. So I start to consider, you know, how they might be grouped as an overall arrangement initially. Um, sometimes I'll work completely separate from one panel to the next, and not even give any consideration to their configuration. I usually end up changing it anyway in the end because I like the flexibility that some of the multiple pa- multi-panel pieces give me where I can invert the panel, slide it one way or slide it another way, yeah. put it on top as opposed to the bottom. I like that kind of uh,
0: flexi- like you a f-
1: flexibility and mutability of that, of that surface that way.
0: Right, right. Well, that sounds cool. So there's a lot of changing that goes along oh, in the process. D- huh? Definitely,
1: definitely, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I start with, you know, an image will, might come to my mind, and then I'll think, um, you know, maybe this particular arrangement, so I'll just jot that down as a, a quick small thumbnail sketch. Maybe get a little bit of sense of proportion and measure it and think about how many panels I might use. And then it always ends up changing in the end. The com- configuration always changes. So that's right. that's how it works. Oh, cool.
0: Now, my next question is, do you use any technology in your work, like photos of the computer?
1: Um, not for this recent work. Um, but yet I think the color, the saturation of color is important. I think it relates to perhaps the sa- the backlighting, the high saturation of color that's attainable in, in digital technology. Um You know, again, looking back at some of the word uh, pieces that I was doing, um, I've used my voice where I've digitally manipulated my voice with an echo and a delay um, where I was actually speaking, um, and that was part of an installation. Um, Then, um, you know, sometimes I'll I'll make small models, and I'll use a camera, digital camera. Um, In fact, a lot of the word pieces that I've done in the past were generated from I made this very simple white box uh, out of foam core and then built um, small uh, maquettes, if you will, of objects that were inserted in the space. So the space had a particular scale to it. Again, kind of calling on my architectural background with model building and and trying to help visualize a particular space, the portions of the object in relationship to the entire space. Um, but again, the, the box itself was maybe 12 inches wide 10 inches deep and maybe six to eight inches tall but it was built to a particular scale and it would scale out to be about you know in full size about a 25 foot wide wall 10 foot high ceiling that sort of thing so then I'd place small objects that I'd construct inside this box and then photograph it with natural light and then these became a series of digital photographs that I that I worked with and it generated a number of different formats have enabled me to visualize these different formats that I could call back upon and use them for different pieces that I might end up building and constructing at full size.
0: Right now, as um, um, some of the you actually had strips of text that you actually would place inside. Is that the, sim- the similar and same little dioramas? Or? Yeah, they were
1: there were uh, strips of tec- text that I would uh, use the computer to, to generate. Um, Some of them look more drawing-like because then I would start to, you know, uh, use water with the ink, so it would um, smudge a bit like a a charcoal drawing would. Um, Some of them would end up being painted. They all incorporated words in some fashion um, all over these objects. But again, with the new pieces, even though, you know, there's certain measuring involved, there's tools involved, there's construction involved, I'm not really using um, technology necessarily for these new pieces, but I think it does refer to, as I mentioned, the a certain coloration, a saturation of color that um, that recalls kind of digital imagery.
0: Oh, okay. So it points to that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Even though I don't really rely on a, rely upon that to generate the images or anything, or even construct the pieces, um, you know, I, I I like the the, the the immediacy of doing a quick, quick notation, a quick sketch. Um, I like the hands-on, um, incorporating my hand within the work from its construction all through its execution too. Yeah,
0: yeah. You know,
1: I like that that aspect of it.
0: My next question is: How do you get yourself out of creative block?
1: Um, I rarely experience it, um, but on occasion that I do, I think. I just try and do some work, you know, just try and work through it. Um, it's not uh, not something that happens frequently, but um, yeah, it's just it's just something you just work through, you know that's that's my approach to it.
0: Try to stay on the stay on the track, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, wherever it goes,
0: yeah, because sometimes you put it down and then it's hard to pick it back up.
1: It's true, it's true. It's yeah. hard to get that that generator going again, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, when did you fall in love with art? I feel like you became an artist.
1: Uh, it goes back quite a ways. I mean, from early childhood. Um, I started out in uh, the Catholic school system. A couple, I had like, I think, first, second, and third grade. And I'll... Um, story my, my mother would tell me is that the nuns were always complaining that I was drawing. Oh. And, um, you know, I'd be drawing all over my, my books and notebooks and all that sort of thing instead of necessarily listening in class. But I found, too, at that point that um, it was a way for me to um, gain some attention, attention of friends. Oh, yeah, I like that kind of thing. They would be looking over my shoulder as I was drawing, you know. Um right. And then, and then we moved from, we were, I grew up in Detroit, and then we moved from there out to the suburbs um, about 67 when the riots were occurring in Detroit. We moved out of there and we moved out. And I went to a public school system at that point. So entering into the fourth grade, I, um, the in, the instructor that I had in the fourth grade, she had a daughter who was a, an art major. She came into class and gave us this one assignment, um, which I remember so clearly, um, it was just a simple uh, piece of newsprint, a single green line. That could could be any. Each person got a completely different line from one another that she drew, and then you were to complete the drawing, however you saw fit. Oh. And um. And I remember her reaction to the work that I had made uh, for that particular class period, and um, it was kind of like the first recognition outside my family that I could do this. And right, I think that's yeah. when it, you know, really kind of occurred to me, and that's when I I knew that it's something that I wanted to do.
0: That's great, that early. Yeah,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, that sounds like so, it would perplex some, some young... Yeah, young
1: frustrated little. a lot of students. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> like, what do you mean you want me to draw from this line? <laughs> I had a great time with it. And were they different colors, like for different students? or?
1: I think they are all a green line.
0: Oh, Everyone oh. had
1: a green line, but it was, some had a straight line, some were curved, different locations on the page, you know, they, but then, from there, you, it was all yours. So, it was an interesting, um, beginning, interesting problem, you know. All
0: right. Um, how do you feel the computer or the internet helps or hurts an artist?
1: Um, well, I think Facebook is really great. I mean, I think it, it's, it's necessary, it helps in getting your work out there, getting some visibility of your work. It's a great tool for that. Uh, I like a lot of uh, uh, work you know that is generated, not necessarily exclusively using a computer. I'm not crazy about um, necessarily digital prints and, and, uh, and that sort of thing, but I like people that integrate it into their, their painting. Um, I'm thinking of artists like Glenn Brown, you know, and the figurative work that he does. And, uh, you know, it's all very, very smooth painting, but it looks heavily textured. And it's it's a, he works with a computer quite thoroughly at the beginning, um, you know, meshing together historical images and then using um, like Photoshop commands to start to manipulate and liquefy some of the elements so I think what he does is really quite unique and then and there's some others that are uh, doing some interesting work that way too Um, so I find um, it's a great tool Uh, I teach also I teach um, I've been teaching at the College for Creative Studies in Detroit here and um, I teach 2D and 3D three-dimensional design studios and uh, in the 2D class. I'm working with the students, integrating, you know, they're, they're able to generate a lot of imagery on their computer, and then I have them execute it in paint.
0: Oh, cool. And manipulating
1: color and all that, trying to approximate the coloration of, uh, of digital imagery. You know, it's, Im- it's impossible to get that strong, saturated, backlit coloration in paint. It's really next to impossible to get that. But, I mean, they can try and approximate it, and that's the best that I can, can expect. But um, I think it's a, it's a very important tool. As far as hurting someone, um, you know, I, th- I don't, I don't see that it's uh, there's really necessarily any drawbacks to it. Um, I think again, it's like another tool that that's at our disposal to use. So, right, yeah.
0: So, like, th- there, as long as there's dimensions included, we can always figure out, or at least try to. Try to formulate what what size something is, or yeah, yeah, and
1: yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Because I notice sometimes with with certain paintings, if it's not listed, it's kind of hard to figure out what what the you know what the the dimensions are, true. things like that. True,
1: true, true. You know, there it's um the ability to scale up an image too is really quite fascinating. Some people that have are uh, working with these incredibly large um, large format uh, printers and and that sort of thing. Um, you're thinking of like uh, Wade Guyton, who's doing these large wallpaper-like installations of of digital images, um, and you know, often taken from something that is quite quite small and minute in terms yeah. of his original source. Um, and I find that process rather interesting too. Um, and some of you know some people that are working more almost sculpturally. Um, and bending canvases and shaping canvases, and then laying over a large uh, digital image over the top of that kind of framework. Um, can't remember the artist's name that I've seen recently that was working that way, but looked like an intriguing process too.
0: Yeah, they would they would print something out and then lay it over top of the
1: a l- you know a large sort of an a large um, armature of some sort, you know, a, a flat image that's starting to warp. Um, it conforming to an underlying armature of some sort. I find that really kind of fascinating, too. And, and then how it, you know, aggressively comes into the space. You know, it's still, is it still a painting at that point? Is it sculpture at that point? I mean, I, I think we're, you know, getting away from a lot of those distinctions between particular medium, you know, that uh, everything is becoming much more hybrid, And I find find that much very very fascinating that aspect. And I think computer, you know, a lot of the computer imagery, the computer uh, digital imagery, and that sort of thing is enabling enabling that to occur.
0: Yeah, it's a new medium. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's great. What would you say feeds your work more? Your other work, looking at art, or (laughs) something other than those things?
1: Um. I do refer to my past work a lot, you know, and and I the way I look at it is one piece always built upon the next and generates something new. Um, I also look, you know, my own life influences me, talking with other people, talking with other artists. There are numerous things that, you know, I absorb and try and incorporate into my work. So it's really not one thing or another. Um, yeah, it's really quite a variety of elements. Things I read, things I've written, all this starts to feed into the work.
0: Now, you you said something about like notations for your where um, the non-text work and and things like that and you also write a little bit uh, for the text work, but like would you say is that contained in a sketchbook or is it just something that's a little more freeform than that or
1: Um yeah, oftentimes I'll I uh, will compile a uh, a sketchbook of poetry that I've written, or you know, just jot down thoughts um, that are written thoughts that I write by hand, and then I'll go into a computer and have it print printed out on a uh, you know digitally that sort of thing. So I have a, a nice uh, fine record of it.
0: Um, right. Other
1: than, other than just my my scrawl, my yeah. <laughs> Scratching, you know that kind of thing. Yeah, so,
0: yeah, um, yeah. So, so others can read it. It's so others can
1: read it. <laughs> so I have, you know, like when I was working on the uh, um, that sometimes series of drawings, these small drawings, I had stacks and stacks of small notations, you know, because I was writing uh, whenever a thought would occur to me. I carried around a notebook. So if I was sitting down having lunch and a thought would pop into my head, I'd write it down. If I was driving um, and all of a sudden a thought would pop into my head, I'd I'd pull over first and then write it down.
0: You mean you didn't text anybody? I I, try to
1: avoid that. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, So, yeah, they're first compiled in some sort of uh, notebook or sketchbook, that kind of thing.
0: How important is formal art training to an artist?
1: Well, I think it depends on the individual, you know. Um, I think, you know, as an as a teacher uh, of art, I think it's important. I think it, um, it presents a discipline, you know. It starts to narrow a focus. You know, if you can maintain that on your own, great. But I think um, most people can't, yeah. you know. And I think it's necessary to have... Um, Kind of a mentoring, and I think that's how I look at myself as an instructor. Um, that uh, you know the relationships that I develop with my students, I try and um, maintain a spirited rapport with them. Um, humor is important, uh, yeah. and make the whole process enjoyable. You know, um, and I think uh, to be able to see what your peers are doing, especially at an early age, is very important. And I think schools provide that. Um, but, you know, I I don't think the – I I really start to question, you know, some of the online classes that are, you know, becoming more and more the norm um, because right. I think it's necessary to have more of a connection and be able to talk and converse directly with, you know, a real person. Not a- right, the, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 the community is lost with that. Yeah,
1: the community is lost completely with that. But I think it's a necessary thing because I'm—I can't imagine any other way for schools to control cost either, you know, unless they start to provide more of that kind of education.
0: What's that? If they went online? Yeah, more
1: online. Even though I don't, it's yeah. really reduced any cost in terms of tuition, but it certainly—it um, may start to—I don't know if it'll start to or not. I mean, it
0: seems odd. I've never considered that um, the online version of. You know, in art school, um, it's just like how would you have critiques and 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 what have you? I mean, just that one aspect of it alone. Well, I,
1: um, I've been I've not been involved with one, but uh, the way we were doing it um, these past couple semesters, and they were doing it mainly for digital classes. You know, oh, teaching okay. Photoshop, but still, you're creating an image online. But right. you need to turn in that image. The um, it's not a uh, a formal critique in terms of being able to see everyone else's work necessarily, you know, the instructor would collect them, look at them all, make his decision in terms of grading, and that was it. You know, give it back yeah. to the student, which I think is re- there's something really lost in that process.
0: Right. Yeah. So yeah, because what we're doing is is it's often an object and not just yeah yeah you know yeah. E- even if it's image based with uh, alone whether exactly it's, you know. 2D without texture. Exactly. You, you you know, it still kind of borders along, you know, you, you have to kind of see this in person to get...
1: Yeah, there is a thing there, yeah, yeah. Right, it's an, yeah.
0: it's an actual thing, yeah. yeah. Who are some of your favorite artists?
1: Um, again, getting back to a lot of the text-based work, I like Ed Ruscha a lot. I like Mel Bochner a lot. Um, Richard Arschwager has always been someone that I've been... I've enjoyed looking at. Um, Bruce Nauman. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, I, like, I like a lot of the Fluxus work. And um, Ian Hamilton Finley, who is also involved with the concrete poetry and that sort of thing. I like that work a lot. Anything that really was incorporating a lot of the words um, and into imagery. Um, yeah. That sort of thing. I enjoy that that's, work. That's cool.
0: Yeah, I'll have to look up some of those names. I didn't, re- I didn't recognize some of them, but that's interesting too. Because I, I tend to like text. I don't really use. Te- I, I had a couple of paintings where I used some text, but that was a bit of a deviation. But so
1: I haven't always worked that way. I mean, it's. I was dabbling in it more a little bit maybe ten years ago, and um, trying to incorporate some of it into my painting and that sort of thing, but then about seven years ago, about I really dove into it. And that's all I was doing is working exclusively with text and, and imagery, um, in my painting, sculpture installations and that sort of thing. And I'm still doing it um, but again, I'm trying to generate this other direction with this more abstract work. And I really think it uh, a lot of the um, the text that I was working with feeds into this work. Not only you know my own thoughts, but I was allowing people to actually write on my work. You know, oh, really? Yeah, allowing them to write directly on the work or photocopies of the work. And then, so they were, you know, it was a direct interaction between what I would write and then how right. they would respond. Which was.
0: It's so like it became a collaboration. It was a lot of fun. Oh, it was,
1: yeah, it was great, great yeah, yeah. fun. And, uh, that, go ahead.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. Um, there, there was this idea that, um, with, with your text work and, and more the, the paintings that are, of spatial paintings there, what it seems like, that, well, with one, I mean, there's two distinct ways of working, and where it seems like you were trying to get the point across to me with your artist statement and about how the the, the text work seems to meet the viewer more in the middle than than the, the spatial painting.
1: I tend to agree with that. Yeah, I think it's the the directness, or at least the apparent directness of words, even though, right. even though, I mean meaning is something that can be slippery in words as well as paint but I think it's slipperier um, in more abstract imagery um, it, yeah. you know there's uh, there's only so far you're, you're you know with meanings of words and that's where your interpretations you can go with but I think with abstract painting you know it, it really starts to open up dramatically and uh, in terms of how you start to read it um, whether it's something flat or whether it's something spatial, the marks that are involved, whether they're personal or if they're going to be trying to communicate something more directly to a viewer, um, all those things start to, uh, I think, open up more so in abstract painting.
0: Right, and then it seems like with the spatial paintings, you have a lot of areas that are are white bars and things like that, which I imagine on a gallery wall, you may, if you're far back enough, you may think, well, how... Yeah. Is that, is that paint or yeah. is that the wall? those I
1: like that kind of illusion quality and also the fact that it's a real object. You know, the fact that, again, they might be made up of multiple panels. You know, it has an irregular edge. It's not just a rectangle uh, or a square, um, you know, made up of multiple rectangles. So, yeah, that, that kind of shifting that goes on between this flatness and spatial. Quality to the flatness of the wall; those things are something that I'm that I'm interested in as well. I've always I've always been kind of drawn to this uh, relationship between an image and an object, and you know that that relationship has always been fascinating to me.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because um, you you remain relatively two dimensional.
1: Um, yes, and no, and um, several of my pieces are very three dimensional. Um, that are you know they're, you can walk around them completely, um, and uh, again some of them are more installations where you experience a large three-dimensional space, and oh, okay. so you can actually walk through it, um, where you can hear things and also look at the wall and read what's on the wall.
0: Yeah, yeah. You
1: know that sometimes installations that I've been talking about there um, it's had a couple different variations. Um, but they've always had sound where my voice I'm reading the individual's uh,
0: oh, cool statements.
1: Yeah. Um, then also you, they're on the wall and you could also respond by writing directly on the pieces on the wall. So it really was an environment that you're in immersed within right yeah. very three-dimensional yes.
0: it uh, becomes well interactive and yep yep yeah. And maybe yeah. <laughs> I'm laughing because it's kind of funny, but it, it's like maybe like a social network before there were social networks.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, very much, very much part of that. That was, I think, very much an influence onto it.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's cool. I'm only laughing because I, I didn't want to go there unless it was like with no, by no means, you know, derogatory or anything. No, I didn't
1: feel like it was. You know, I oh, think okay. that was an influence on on that on that work. Yeah, 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 so. yeah. But it was a, you know, the funny part of it is that's an analog version of that, really. I mean, instead of, you know, digitally communicating, you could just actually write using a pencil or pen. Yeah. what if yeah. you had on hand, kind of thing?
0: That's cool. That's a little more physical. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Now we're on this, well, we touched upon words a lot during this interview, and I'm, I'm curious do you have any artist quotes you'd like to share?
1: I do. And, um, let's see, one is from, uh, as I mentioned, um, Edgar Allan Poe, um, from the uh, Telltale Heart. And it it reads, sometimes I'm terrified of my heart, of its constant hunger for whatever it wants, the way it stops and starts. I like that quote a lot. um, Because I think, you know, what we do as artists is very much about desire. You know, the desire to communicate, the desire for of, of some sort, um, all these things start to... Uh,
0: I'm sorry, you broke up in the, the desire to communicate and... Oh, desire to
1: communicate and desire of recognition, um, the okay. desire uh, to connect with other people, all these types of things, I think, influence a, um, what we do. So I think a large part of art making is about desire. And I think that statement kind of summarizes that quite well. Right, that's great. Thank you. Um, there's a couple others that I had. And one, um, another writer, um, T.S. Eliot, uh, fr- uh, this little uh, segment of the Four Quartets, I think is I really like a lot. And it reads For most of us, there is only the unattended moment, the moment in and out of time, the distraction fit. Lost in a shaft of sunlight, the wild time unseen, or the winter lightning or the waterfall, or music heard so deeply that it is not heard at all. But you are the music while the music lasts. These are only hints and guesses, hints followed by guesses. And the rest is prayer, observance, discipline, thought, and action. The hint half guessed, the gift half understood. Is incarnation. I think that's a great, great passage. Yeah. And the other one I like um, is this quote from Gerhard Richter.
0: Oh, that's great. Yeah, I'm curious.
1: Yeah. Strange though it may sound, not knowing where one is is going, being lost. He uses the word "being a loser" reveals the greatest possible faith and optimism. To believe one must have lost God. To paint, one must have lost art. I thought, oh wow! That's a great quote.
0: Yeah, I've never heard anything uh, credited to him. That's great.
1: Yeah, he's got quite a few of them, actually. I guess.
0: I'm sure I should look him yeah. up. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Um, my next question is: How do you, can you use three to five words to describe your work?
1: Desire constructs multi-layered spatial language. I think.
0: Could you could you say that again? Desire
1: constructs multi-layered spatial language.
0: That's cool. I like that. Thank you.
1: I thank you for contacting me about this. And the oh,
0: no I think problem. it's a great
1: thing that you're doing.
0: Oh, thank you. No, it's, it's you know, without you guys, uh, this wouldn't happen. So. You're
1: enjoying it a lot, eh?
0: Oh, yeah. It's really great. I mean, it, I mean I've, it, it gets better and better. And, you know, I've been asked before, you know, what, what's my goal? And I feel like my goal is to just keep going. Yeah. Yeah you know I mean they're really it's hard to attach a goal to this because it's like I said every everyone is different and you know it just and there's sometimes just this special conversations that happen outside of the questions and things like that so I really couldn't be happier with it
1: enjoy your day Phil
0: yes you too thanks a lot thank you Dennis take care yep, bye bye this has been Oddcast Thank you from me, your host, Philip J. Mellon. Keep the dialogue going.